peoples, and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss a hell out of them. I am your host for the day, Ryan Siebold, coming at you with another I Got Five On It Five Minute Mini Review. Now, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Of course, our usual MO here is to cover off-the-beaten-path films, prestige indie darlings, trashy slock horror, uh, movies that deserve to be appreciated by the devoted moviegoer. But it's the summer blockbuster season, and I think it's worth mentioning that most of us, I hope I'm not just speaking for myself here, uh, learn to appreciate films as a young kid with spectacles on the big screen. Real Nicole Kidman heartbreak feels good in a place like this type stuff. Whether it's Jurassic Park or Spider-Man, Back to the Future, Lords of Arabia, Wizard of Oz, whatever generation you fall into, chances are your earliest movie memories were big budget bonanzas. Well, despite my busy traveling schedule for work, I found myself frequenting the cinema quite a bit over the past months. And it occurred to me as I walked out of the theater last night just how much fun I've had this season. Now, some films have been notably better than others, but I can't say there's been anything close to a bad one in the bunch. Just one amazing ride after another, and arguably some of my most anticipated films are still to come. So I thought I'd take a few minutes and just give a high-level basic response to what I've seen so far, as this is quickly becoming perhaps my favorite summer of films in many years. I started the season off with the Finnish war film Sisu. Now, I've already covered this in a previous review, so if you want to hear a full breakdown of this one, go back a few weeks and you'll find my review there on the list of things on Esoterica Cinema, wherever you listen to our show. But it did kick my summer season off proper, and I really loved every bit of this over-the-top grindhouse-style film that felt in many ways like an old spaghetti western. Again, I covered this a few weeks ago. Set in Finland during World War II, this was such a fun ride as one man, late in his years, but with plenty of hyper-violent experience, takes on a group of Nazis in fun ways that had me on the edge of my seat with a big old grin. Way more Rambo than Saving Private Ryan. This should be streaming now, so if you don't mind a little 80s-style action violence, definitely give this a go. It's only an hour and a half, so I think it's an easy watch, too. Just get on it. I'd love to hear your response to it. Next up is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This was, and I can say this without any hesitation, my favorite MCU movie experience since Endgame. James Gunn's action and humor run throughout, and the emotional weight of it all sat with me for a couple days even after I left the theater. I won't spoil anything here, but suffice it to say, I laughed, I cried, I cheered in my chair. It was the perfect send-off for Gunn's ragtag group of misfits, and it made me all the more excited to see what he has in store as he shifts to DC, starting with Superman. The first volume will always be my favorite for nostalgia reasons, but I will say I like this one a little better than volume two. My only critique, if I had to come up with one, is sometimes it seems like the film stops for humor. Almost like a family guy cutaway. It's weird. The jokes land, but it's just strange how sometimes the movie literally stops for comedic banter and then back to the show. I don't know. Maybe it's just me being picky, but it's his style, though, I guess. It, love it or hate it, he just seems to be leaning all the more into it lately. In his earlier films, the humor just felt more organic and seamless. I don't know, just an observation. But the jokes landed, and the action was some of his best, and the emotional beats hit like a truck. It's as close to perfect as a sequel to a movie with a raccoon and an anthropomorphic tree is going to get, I guess. Okay, now look, I know we're all getting perhaps a little bit of superhero fatigue. More than that, just speaking for myself here, I'm really getting multiverse fatigue. I get it, with the alternate timelines where anything is possible... With that said, though, I went into the next two multiverse-based films with an open mind, and I was not disappointed. In fact, both of these films were able to dip in and out of the multiverse concept in a couple of hours in a way that felt so much easier than the MCU's clunky past four years or so. <laughs> Starting with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Now, I know this is a sequel, and they've given us the alternate dimensions bit a few years ago, but still, these films trust their audience to grasp the concept in a single serving without the need of 27 movies and 14 series to spoon-feed me about the multiverse. And in trusting the audience, 
The attention is put on the characters, story arcs, emotional beats, etc., etc. A lot of people are saying this is movie of the summer, if not movie of the year. I've heard some Oscar buzz for this film, and I won't disagree with those people. The animation was some of the best I've seen in years, and such a breath of fresh air from what Pixar and Illumination have been doing lately, with the exception of Soul, which was absolutely gorgeous. The action melted my brain in the most fun way possible. It felt like I was a kid again playing with little action figures on my bed. The first one was great. This one was somehow better. Voice talent, writing, mind-boggling edits and transitions. I would recommend this to anyone and everyone. A-plus film across the board with a bullet. Next up in our multiverse exploitation made fun is The Flash. Now, quick disclaimer. I get this isn't a perfect film. I also had a really hard time weighing my feelings with the whole Ezra Miller debacle. Problematic is an understatement. Separating the art from the artist isn't a new moral quandary, but in situations like this, you just have to do what you feel comfortable with. In the end, it wasn't an easy decision, but I've watched films with problematic talent before. Mel Gibson. More than anything, I was just curious about Andy Muschietti's follow-up to It, which I really enjoyed. So I swallowed a little bit of ethical pride here and went to check this out. And I had a great time. Now, the naysayers have some valid points. I didn't like the CGI multiversal ending, for example, with all the different characters. I thought that was a little cheap. It was a cool idea. It was just kind of poorly executed on the CGI front, I guess. Looked a little plasticky. I don't know, a little unfinished. And they had extra time, too. The film was delayed. I don't know why they didn't uh, button that up a little better. Cool idea, though. I don't know. That aside, Ezra Miller was fun to watch. The sad maternal catalyst to the film landed with me. Michael Keaton was as fun to watch as everyone said. No surprise, he's been consistently amazing in everything for decades. And we even got a really cool breakout performance from Sasha Kelly as Supergirl. She was great. Now, Jason and I have gone on record as huge lovers of Man of Steel, so I don't want to hear any shit from the Snyderverse fans. I enjoyed it, but it's time to move on. In the spirit of progress, I thought it was a nice end to that chapter, as well as all the previous DCU versions, so that our buddy James Gunn can try his hand at it. I just don't have any clue what they're going to do with the upcoming Aquaman movie. <laughs> that feels so out of place. Now, in the spirit of keeping this in the mini-review category and not a three-hour extravaganza, which we've done and will do again, season four premiere coming soon, <laughs> I'll wrap this up with the summer film I've been wincing and cringing, but still the 12-year-old inside me was still clamoring for somehow. That's right, it's the frosted mini-wheat cereal of blockbuster films, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I went into this one with zero expectations after being so betrayed from the last installment that South Park had to take a swing at the industry over it. Harrison Ford is older than my dad, who I love dearly, but neither of these folks are in any shape to take on Nazis in hand-to-hand -hand combat styles. With that said, high level, I really loved this film for what it was. James Mangold made this adventure fun again, and somehow out-Spielberged Spielberg. Now, I had some problems with the ending. It was just too much. I won't spoil it. I'll just say the first three films skirted the supernatural and spiritual stuff with ease. It just felt way more organic, and this one, much like the last, just kind of went all in, and it had mixed results for me. The star of the show to me, though, was Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She was so much fun in an action-filled role. I did not see that coming at all. Her charisma and charm and wit match indies every step of the way while letting it still be an Indiana Jones film. Remember when Wolverine Origins sucked ass and then Mangold took over and crushed it not once but twice? Logan is one of my all-time favorite comic book movies ever, and I cannot wait to see what Mangold brings to the table with a rumored rated R Swamp Thing film. Last little note on this, the movie ended and the credits rolled, everyone got up and moseyed down the stairs to leave the theater, and then it occurred to me as I was following the crowd out that this was John Williams' last film. The man who literally scored my childhood and is arguably the greatest resume in cinema history is hanging up his hat, and whip I guess. So I sat back down in the front row as everyone else left and just had a moment, showing my respects I guess, I don't know, barring a re-release of an older film, that will 
probably be the last time I get to hear a John Williams score on the big screen. And it was the iconic Indiana Jones theme that's been with me my entire life from Raiders on. Like I said earlier, it's films like Raiders or Star Wars or Jurassic Park that helped me fall in love with the movies. And John Williams has been there throughout all of it. So as I sat there in the front row and listened to the Indiana Jones theme, suddenly the ending I didn't care for didn't matter anymore. And I left the theater with a feeling of gratitude and a sentimental smile. He'll never listen to this in a million years, but sincerely, thanks, John. That was quite a run. So that's my summer wrap up so far. Just one fun time after another. And we still have some of my most anticipated films yet to come in the next handful of weeks, including Greta Gerwig's oddball Barbie movie, Nolan's Oppenheimer, the absolutely insane new Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I've really loved the behind the scenes featurettes they've been showing with the trailers and movie theaters as I've gone to see all these movies. It looks bananas. And even the Seth Rogen produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that could be sneaky decent. I may do a part two to this at the end of it all just to kind of do a grand wrap up. But on that note, I'm going to sign off. Jason will be back next week with a proper five mini review. So make sure to tune in next week on another episode of Esoterica Cinema. Cinema.